podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au. Salutations. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Finance Breeder podcast. As always, it is lovely to have you tuning in today, dear listener. My name is Tom Watson and I'm a journalist at financial comparison website Mozo. And with me, co-piloting this episode is my colleague and fellow journo, Liv G. How's it going, Liv? Did you, uh, did you join the many picnickers this, uh, this past weekend? I did. It was a bit of a um, bit of it was a beautiful occasion, it perfect was. day I for bet. it. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually, um, out of like the friends who live in my zone, I only had one friend who was also fully vaccinated with like the week after. Like everyone else is like getting their second dose this oh, week. Okay. So it was yeah. just the, it was just the two of us. It was very fun. I even managed to trans we managed to transport um margaritas and jelly amongst other snacks, which mm. I thought was a pretty solid effort, right? Like not exactly picnic staples, something a level up. What's your what's your picnic feast? Listen, plan? we we actually did have a picnic as well, but um oh, where I think we're both getting um, our second jab this week or next week. So we had it on the balcony in our apartment, um, which was kind of lovely, lovely. actually. But we, we smashed any... through some wine, which was very nice. Lovely. So. And it's sort of like I, I love a good picnic, but then it's like, oh, we've run out of water, we've run out of drinks, we've run out of snacks, and nothing stays cold for very long. So you can only really picnic for so long. Exactly. Sometimes it's better to have a fridge nearby, hey? Definitely. <laughs> and no ants and none of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. That's very true. Very much enjoyed it. Although – you know, sometimes it's it's beautiful to watch the ants run around, but um, <laughs> when we're not when we're not picnicking, we're talking about the finance news headlines. So we should probably get into it. I reckon. Sounds good. Here are the hot topics in Moneyland. Okay, so the the news today has been dominated by the earthquake. Which, uh, mm. which came out of nowhere. But Exciting. We're not going to talk about it because there are no financial implications. Well, there probably are lots of financial implications. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's too <laughs> quick. It's too quick. Anyway, so my first topic today is uh, it's all about some research put out by our dear old friends at the Reserve Bank last week. It's, uh, mm. it's actually been pretty extensively covered in the news already, so you might have seen it, listener. But uh, if you haven't, it's all about the impact climate change is likely to have on property and uh, as a result, bank portfolios because uh, we're all very concerned with bank portfolios, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. And uh, (laughs) if there's one uh, one thing that's sacred in Australia, it is property, hence the uh, the interest from a lot of people. So it's like the the gold leaf of uh, the gold leaf of uh, food. It's just exactly unattainable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I need a I need to lay some groundwork before we really dive in. So okay. a little bit of background info. The first point is that according to the RBA, um, mortgages account for about two thirds of Australian major banks' portfolios, which Ooh. is a lot. Yes, a lot mm. of money tied up in in mortgages. The second point is that um, banks they use obviously the actual property, so the home, as collateral against. The mortgage against a loan. So if a borrower can't make repayments, then, you know, obviously banks have got that asset to fall back on. They're you know, not left uh, mm. out of pocket. And the third point is that if current property values don't reflect the longer term risks of climate change accurately, then housing prices could 
decline, uh, which would potentially leave these banks more vulnerable if borrowers were to default. So, okay, so basically, the banks were going to fall back on these, like reclaim these properties, but Mm. if effects of climate change impact whatever the the environment around land which could make it less less of a popular area to inhabit exactly then they could become less valuable okay interesting which is a risk for the banks so Mm. right now the rba they reckon that about 3.5 percent of dwellings in australia would or are considered high risk to the uh to the effects of climate change but they project that to rise to eight percent over the next 80 years or so which is like it's a long time frame but it's a big number eight percent of all properties in australia or all dwellings is pretty significant um the majority of properties will probably experience very little impact from climate change though um just you know i I guess that's based on what we know at the moment but obviously things could become more severe as well what we've seen, so like obviously areas prone to floods, uh, places in, in like with coastal erosion, mm. bushfires, all that kind of stuff. So exactly. that's, that's what they're talking about. And right? that's already happening. So, yeah. yes. Yeah, exactly. That's what we know. Things might get worse. Um, mm. However, having said that, properties in some areas could see pretty significant price falls um, in in part because the risk of climate effects will will make them more expensive to insure or even make yes. them uninsurable. So right up your alley, Liv. Um, love it. Which in turn would obviously make Don't them less it. valuable because people can't, you know, if you can't get insurance and it's it's super risky to, to, have, a, mm. a, to have a house. Um, and I can't remember exactly what uh, what the, the the body is, but there's been a lot of like lobbying to make um to make home insurance more affordable in these areas because people are just struggling to pay their premiums every year. So I think there's been a lot of chatter about that in the land of insurance. Definitely, but I mean, it, it mm. could. I think I've seen this in the US. There are there are places where it it will just become impossible. Like insurers just won't yeah. touch it um because it's it's not profitable for them to do so. And, and totally. fair enough. So you might have a situation where the government needs to step in, or where you know these places just literally become uninhabitable. But yeah, know, um, the RBA didn't exactly outline that so um what they did outline though was 254 suburbs across australia which will be at higher risk to the impacts of climate Mm -hmm. change um many but you know not all of which are in coastal areas which makes sense Mm. right um as you said like the risk of coastal erosion and i guess flooding to a degree and uh rising seas rising seas exactly um so that's certainly the case in uh some of the capital cities that they outlined where Mm -hmm. suburbs closer to the water seem to be the ones that are more at risk and um in that respect parts of brisbane um and areas of southeast queensland and northern new south wales so like the gold coast and uh byron bay and those kind of that kind of region of the country um those are among the places most likely to be impacted according to the research Mm. so some pretty sobering stuff there from the rba and um i'll see if i'll see if we can actually post some of the um the graphics that they did of these projected areas some of the maps that they did um because they're quite interesting to look at and it probably kind of outlines Mm. us um a lot more effectively so uh watch out for those and what does this mean for you? Uh, well, if you're considering buying a home anytime soon, then um, you know climate change is probably a factor that you're going to have to consider. Um, in fact, I'd say probably strongly consider right uh, going forward because we just don't know um, what the effects could be. But the 
you know, probably going to be there. So, mm. And yes. in the way that sort of I think all of the, you know, the IPCC report and everything on the global stage is happening right now, um, Australia is not looking all that hot. So hopefully no. we change or more concern ahead, Exactly, I think. But mm. um, I'm probably going to uh, throw a lighter shade Thank on <laughs> uh, the news today because that was quite a lot. Um, it's a potentially not quite as essential news, but it definitely caught my eye um, because I reckon when everyone hasn't been making banana bread and doing park yoga over the last whatever many weeks, months, years of lockdown, I think we've been watching telly. Um, and in 2021, I'd say some of the best and, you know, ad-free, which is sort of the fun part, um, stuff is coming by way of streaming services. I know that I subscribe to a few. I was telling um, some uh, some of the team the other day, I recently found a dedicated horror streaming service called oh, Shudder. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. Check check it out if you haven't already, um, and and there's all like also like all of the the free stuff that you maybe you have to sign up for, but sometimes it's just free like SBS on demand, ABC iView. I think some of the commercial channels have similar versions, and we've been talking about all of the like Disney Plus dramas of late. So yeah, there's a lot of there's heaps of options. Some of them free, some of them are costly, and um, I found some interesting. Uh, Interesting research from a uh, analyst an analyst firm called I think Telsight with a Y. Yeah, that I saw that name. Right. I was like, how do you say that? So forgive us, mm. Telsight. Yeah, that'll do. Um, and they've uh, pretty much confirmed my theory that people are watching more telly with their new study um, that shows that media s- subscription services in Australia are booming. They're going off. Um, so apparently, as a nation, we had 42 million subscriptions in June, wow. um, which is obviously, yeah, more than our um, population, which is fun as fun starting point. And that includes um, things like uh, video on demand, so your Netflixes, your stands, uh, music, uh, so Spotify, Apple stuff, um, gaming and pay TV. So various services in those areas. And um, that's an increase from 37 million in June last year. So what is that? A five, five, million, five million jump? That's a lot. Yeah, just a few. And I don't think all the babies born since then have taken out streaming <laughs> services. So I think it's the same, uh, the same uh, adult people. Uh, bear in mind, these figures did come before the most recent lockdowns in in Sydney and in other states and areas around the country. So, I think it's pretty safe to assume that those numbers may have even grown in the recent months. Mm. Um, Interestingly, almost half of those subscriptions, maybe not interestingly, maybe obviously, half of them made up of uh, video on demand services. And so, the research looked into which platform was our favourite. And also not a huge surprise, uh, Netflix was the winner. Of it course. seems, mm. yeah, they just seem to have. I mean, they got in early. They used to send out. I, mean, I was never part a part of it at this stage. But they used to send out like actual DVDs, like a DVD That's right. subscription that was their model service, back in the day, wasn't it? Yeah, how weird is that to think about? But um, now they've got six million subscribers to their uh, you know digital service. I don't know if the DVD service still runs. I would imagine not. <laughs> Um, There's probably some blokes who are trying to go on there being like, why can't I order this DVD? Where are, 
my DVDs. Look, I always keep a um, DVD player in the house just in case. Um, but this was Netflix was followed by Amazon Prime and then Disney Plus, Stan, and KO Sports. I want to say I'm sure I've never heard I of it. I can't believe you've never I, heard of um, these guys live. Oh, I mean, would I? Is it a surprising? What no, are they, what are they, what it's are they do? not. They do, they do sports. <laughs> so it's like Foxes. Yeah, I mean, it's in uh, the Fox name. Sports <laughs> yeah, little like uh, digital spin-off, app spin-off. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I subscribe to it. I do say. Okay, yeah. but it's the, a, a, similar, a similar situation. Cool, cool. Um, but apparently there are uh, more than 30 other similar services. So, who knew? I'm sure I didn't. Well, I mean, Shudder, I guess, is one someone might have never heard of. Um, I, I saw one about, like, um, some Brit BritBox or something like that the other day, which has, like, a bunch of BBC Britbox. and ITV content on there, which I'd never heard oh. of before. But I was like, hey, which you can I can access get around that. In a, access in Australia. Yeah, apparently. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Don't know. Don't know and I also wonder the if they're counting... I'm not sure if they're counting in that number all of the like free to air on demand blah blahs, but mm. so it could be even more. Not sure. Anyway, um, while we're not necessarily signed up to uh, dozens of them, each and every one of us, uh, the average number of uh, video on demand subscriptions is now up to 3.1 per household. Mm. I love when they do the points, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the average. Um, and not surprisingly, again, they reckon that uh, this is uh, going in the same direction in the future, up, up, and up. Um, the study found that nearly half of users would be interested in a one-stop platform, which bundled together a bunch of services. Mm. And that's sort of, I think we were talking about this the other day, it sort of looks like it's going back to the old model of like cable or pay TV. And I was thinking like, I never really, we never had it as kids and I don't really, like some friends had it. I don't remember really looking into it, but is it more of like an on-demand things thing these days, like Foxtel rather than being scheduled and you've got to tune in to your XYZ? I can, I never know. Yeah, I'm not sure about Foxtel. I feel like the, at least back in the day, it used to just be like rolling content, right? So maybe they yeah, do it's like the movie channel. now, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, people may want that. So, uh, what does it mean for all you uh, lounge lizards like myself <laughs> out there? Uh, potentially not a whole lot, but it might be comforting to know that a bunch of other people are also binge watching at the same time yes, as you like are. And, um, yeah, I reckon that uh, in terms of how many streaming services you have, that 3.1 number may be low because I'm sure I, I share slash steal at least one uh, account login form. Share, so, I've probably you got share, more. legally share. I share. Mm. I legally share. <laughs> so, it's like, oh, yeah, it's three that I pay for, but maybe maybe more for the bit of uh, careful budgeting don't mind if I do. What about you, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm about the same. Just having a think. Mm. I, uh, yeah, maybe a bit more. I've had to get like a bunch of new sports ones to cover all the things I want to watch. You need to. I had it. to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. My life, <laughs> I cannot live without watching these various sports. So, That's yes, it. that is annoying. But they are shared, which is uh, mm. which is good. So, interesting stuff. I like that. I mm. like that very much. Yeah. Uh, and I like – the next piece of news that um, was sent through to us this week, because um, this comes courtesy of our beloved researcher, Ella, who um, she's obviously got a Google News Alert set up for avocados, Yeah, of all things. Yes, avocados. <laughs> um, according to an article published by the ABC last weekend, we may have hit peak avocado 
in Australia. Peak. Peak. We're peaking. I love that. I love that term. (laughs) Um, And you know what? You may have uh, noticed this yourself if you've been to the supermarket of late um, because I know I have um, because they're both plentiful and really cheap at the moment. And Mm, I can buy more than I can use, which is probably not great. But um, Danger. How about you, Liv? Have you been uh, tucking in and is your household an, an avocado household? We are. I sort of – there's been – they're a bit – I've had hit and miss ones lately depending mm. on where I get them from. But we definitely like – it would be like – it used to be like one prized avocado and I bought three the other day. So, clearly going up. Wow. What a life of luxury yeah. that you're living now. I know. <laughs> it's interesting that you that you say that about the quality too, because I'll come back to that. But um Okay. Why? Why are we at peak avocado? Well, apparently there has been a real bumper crop this year, helped by excellent growing cool. conditions in Western Australia. So as a result, the avocado harvest is expected to hit a record one hundred and twenty thousand tons, which I love to think about Oof. all in one big, I don't know, <laughs> avocado bowl or fruit bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so that's up from 78,000 tons last year, which is a pretty massive increase actually. Um, and it's a 200% increase in the last 12 years. So it just goes to show um, how Oof. kind of yeah, fast things have, uh, have changed. Um, so this is obviously good news for avocado lovers like ourselves, but it's, uh, it's slightly less so for farmers who probably can't quite demand, um, you know, as high prices because of the flood of avocados that are on the market at the moment. And uh, in fact, they're, they're trying to um, to sell some of these overseas to places like Japan and, and India to um, to make up for that, which I, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting. Um, so all in all, uh, this season, it might actually mark a bit of a turning point for the avocado industry, which um, which has kind of boomed in recent years, um, as we were saying. And it's, it's been quite lucrative for, for farmers who have mm, been able to make quite a bit of money um, off our love of avocados. So I found this, uh, this other article from the ABC back in June, which interviewed a farmer named Dennis Howe, who is one of Australia's largest independent avocado growers, apparently. Um, basically, he talks about the green bubble bursting, which I love as a as a term really cool so he said that we all knew it was going to come we hoped it wouldn't come this year but with the way plantings and production have increased it was always going to happen once you've got a tree crop in oversupply it's very hard for production to drop away so yeah Mm. i love that i love the green bubble and uh as a as a final note they um they also said that they'd be focusing more on quality rather than quantity in the future to uh to address that issue that you raised so okay, yeah very nice because sometimes you, you get one and it sort of tastes a bit metally yeah i know what you mean if it's very brown <laughs> yeah. yeah so hopefully plenty of avocados and plenty of quality avocados to come in years ahead uh but what does this mean for you well if you're wondering why avocados were so cheap at the moment then that is why and you know what help farmers out by eating more because I've been, so yeah. uh, do it do it yourself. Do your patriotic duty, I say, and uh, eat some avocados. Yeah, get together and get some healthy fats, <laughs> I think. That's what we that's what we call them. But yeah. um beyond uh, avocados, I have one final story of the week, which um again a light one. We always try to end on a light or funny note. And while this isn't sort of laugh out loud hilarious, it's sort of curious and it comes from um, CNBC in the, in the States and basically the crux of it is that uh, wealthy people 
are worried about leaving too much money to their kids. So it's not really, you know, a pressing social issue, but it is sort of I- intriguing. Mm. And it um uh, this this theory comes from a survey of around 2,000 high net worth individuals um, conducted by Motley Fool in the US. Um, although the definition of high net worth was a people was people with a net worth of a uh, million dollars US or more. So it's not necessarily like crazy, crazy rich, no. you know, Musk's or, or Jeffrey Bezos level boys and girls. But um, anyway, they found that around two thirds of those people were, yeah, concerned about leaving a, too much of a large inheritance um, with the main concern being that their kids would use it irresponsibly. <laughs> They're just like, idiot What does kids. that mean? Like jet skis and that's, that's the yeah, one thing I maybe. think of. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I always think – I just always think that uh, – Having to struggle or strive a little bit in life gives you a bit more perspective and, and compassion. Sure. So I, maybe I get where they're coming from. But yeah, as a result, around sixty-eight um, percent of respondents said they were planning on making um, inheritance contingent on meeting specific conditions. Well, I'm not sure if this is a haunted house. Maybe it's like a, <laughs> you know, you have to you have to use it for X, Y, Z, or you have to have gotten to a certain age, whatever, they're going to be specific. So that's interesting. And then um, a third plan to leave at least half of their assets to to a person, and then two-thirds are going to leave at least part of theirs to um, a charity of some kind. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of good. You would hope so if you've got lots of cash ready to splash. Um, but we can't end the segment without some celebrity gossip, XOXO, Gossip Goat, Gossip Girl, uh, because, you know, they're, a lot of them are rich. Um, you so don't in, say. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's all just for show. But anyway, um, in various stories, a lot of celebrities have publicly stated that they won't be passing down uh, money to their kids or at least – not a whole lot of their full estate. So that's some people like Daniel Craig, Mila Kunis, Elton John, Marie Osmond, and even Bill Gates. Mm. So a whole, a huge range of, I imagine, very high net worth individuals. And we also have a fantastic quote from the amazing Jackie Chan. What a guy. What a back catalogue. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a 2011 quote from him on the subject of passing his fortune on to his son. And um, Mr. Chan said, if he's capable, he can make his own money. If he is not, then he will just be wasting my money. <laughs> so, <laughs> bit harsh. But I think fair. Oh, I love it. What a um, what a dude. Yeah, good on you, good on you, Jackie Chan. Why not? So, what does it mean? Uh, basically, if your plan for success in life was to uh, yeah, weasel your way into a super rich family to get a slice of inheritance, then uh, yeah, you're gonna have to look pretty hard to find the uh, the right the right <laughs> rich folk. And um, I also think that no matter how many dollars you have in your position. Uh, possession, it's important to make a will. Mm. I think we've been talking about this a bit lately and I've actually been meaning to for a while as I realised that I've been working for a fair few years now and superannuation is the thing that I have a bit of that, you know, will end up going somewhere. And also I now have guinea pigs that will need a dedicated carer in the event of my death. Yes, the guinea pigs. Oh, you've got to think about that. There's a lot to consider, definitely. Um, But, yeah, so that sort of – rounds things out rich people just i mean give them money away i think it's good i hope that you are in your world that you write out some uh, conditions that your guinea pigs will have to um have to meet before they get their their inheritance 
Oh, big time. <laughs> They'll have to work for it, yeah. No spending on frivolous, you know, vegetables and the like. Yeah. Wheels. I don't know. No what berries. The, the guinea pigs go on wheels? I don't know. Like- no, no, not really. They're too fat. <laughs> Maybe they need you then. Um, Maybe. On that note, uh, I think it's time to uh, to draw the curtains on this episode. So, as always, uh, be sure to go and check us out on Instagram and TikTok if you haven't already because there's uh, there's always a lot of fun content on mm. there and we very much appreciate all the follows and likes and, and such. So, go do that. Mm, we sure do. And speaking of appreciation, let's shower some love on the rest of the finance burrito crew there's social media boss rihanna producer claire and avocado enthusiast slash slash researcher ella thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you all next week see you guys bye just remember as mozo writers we're providing general financial product information so we're not taking into account your specific financial situation needs or personal objectives We are not recommending any specific product to you. The best advice we can give is for you to make your own financial decisions and seek out independent advice. This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au.